You're listening to the Table Church Podcast. The Table is a community in Orville, California that aims to follow Jesus by doing what he did. Love God, love our neighbors, and serve those in need. Find us at thetablechurch.net, Instagram, or Facebook. And now for the message. Uh, As we move into a time of hearing from God's Word, would you pray with me? Thank you, Father, that we can gather, even uh, digitally, coming before you as one group, as one family, as one body, to give you praise, worship you, to hear from you, to experience you. Would you now open our hearts and minds and ears and eyes as we open your word, that we may, uh, that we may hear from you, that we may hear your life-giving word that speaks to us both truth and love and comfort. You are good, and we are here for you. Uh, may we experience you now. And may we, as we log off, would we log off a little bit differently than when we came this morning? A little bit more refueled, re-energized, and more a part of what you're doing in the world around us. We give you praise and thanks and say these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Today, if you don't know, is Palm Sunday. You could probably see the palms behind us. Uh, Palm Sunday is a a major feast day in the life of the church. It's also called the triumphal entry. It's when Jesus marches into Jerusalem towards his death, towards the cross. We're going to be reading out of Luke 19 today. But before we do that, I always talk about bad news where we maybe are struggling. And here's what I'm thinking about today. It has to do with story. We are all looking to live an incredible story. We want a wonderful story. We want an adventure. We want a journey. We want, um, I don't know, good things. We want God's story in our life. The bad news is that the world is more than happy to give you a story. And it usually has to do with a false identity, an identity to become. And there's all kinds of things the world wants you to become. Consumers, right? Uh, Hyper-political so that it defines your identity. Mm. Um, Nationalistic identities, all kinds of, I mean, you could be a sports person or a car person or a whatever kind of person. Um, they are identities that the world wants to give you, and they have to do with the story that they're trying to sell you, and that is the bad news, is that there's a lot of captivating stories, and we are hardwired for story, and we are geared towards story, and it is easy for us to fall for a less than God story. And so that's what we're talking about today, when we're talking about the triumphal entry, and we're talking about Palm Sunday. Um, I think I have a question next for us, if my slides will progress quickly for us. The question is for you all and for me, what is your favorite book or movie series, and what about the story grabs you? That's a surprise question. They didn't really know that one was coming. Do you want me to go first? Okay. Sure. So uh, recently it has been uh, the Star Wars series yeah uh so for those of you that don't know me very well uh i am not at all into star wars like my counterparts are um and but my sister is my sister really is um and so are a lot of her friends and so they would talk about these things all the time around me and i was like i have no idea what you're talking about and so recently actually shout out to scott coffer uh we have been doing these last couple of months saturdays where we just do a marathon of movies and so he started off with a star wars series and so Anyways, we started watching him, and my son and my daughter and I all got really hooked. I don't, I can't tell you really what was so interesting about it, other yeah. than we just wanted to be in the know. We wanted to be able to hold conversation <laughs> <laughs> with those around us, and so we uh, we binge watched um, all of them 
shout out to Disney Plus too. Disney for that. Plus, that's right. Yeah, I was talking to Ryan. Hi, Ryan, if you're watching. I was talking to Ryan about it, and the it was like brand new stuff to you, huh? Oh yeah. That's oh, yeah? so <laughs> cool because that's that's what my brain went to was Star Wars too, but that you know from when I was like eight or nine, and you know so experience. I can't even imagine what it's like to experience it again for the first time. But I think I think I uh, just to piggyback on Star Wars, I think. Star Wars is kind of the great American story, you know, and it's like worldwide renowned. And I think that uh, it's that way because um, it's a story that's just like reflective of of God's story and like um, it, not specifically just that all these big things are, I mean, it's giant space battles, but the important things are the relationships and the relationship reveals and the, you know, uh, Darth Vader as Luke's father, like... We can all kind of sorry spoilers. <laughs> we can all kind of relate to that maybe a little bit of not n- just because of like it's it's just reveal reveal relationship and like um, it we don't all know the force or all fly battleships but we know uh, we have relationship to our father uh, in some way if even if that's a no relationship at all. So I think that those are my favorite stories. I uh, I love a great story. Um, I'm sometimes I wonder I'm I'm nervous that I'm addicted to story, <laughs> uh, just because I think the thing that I look for the most is the big, <gasps> I can't believe that just happened, you know, and um, surprises and it, man, there's just so many that come to mind. Um, it's hard to pinpoint one. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I love it. Yeah, I just <laughs> that I could make a list. We've been watching the Marvel movies. Julianne has never really—that's mine. Oh well, sorry. Julianne has <laughs> never really been a big Marvel person because she's just like you know, it's like action superheroes and stuff. And I'm like, I'm like, no, 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 no. no. If you could get past the superhero stuff, because we all remember like the Ben Affleck, uh, you know, Daredevil <laughs> and stuff. Like when when Marvel when superhero movies were really dumb and. The way that Marvel over the last 10, 12 years has like reshaped the story, and yeah. like we're just now are watching Guardians of the Galaxy two and yeah. talk about father relationship yeah. and like, um, so Marvel has uh, totally rethought how you do stories. Yeah. Like, it's so it's cool because you get the superhero aspect, but more more so it's cool because of all the uh, just how we relate to one another and yeah. how it applies to our lives. Um, Sorry. As Take Pastor yours. James, my favorite book is obviously the Bible. Hey, oh. Uh, but <laughs> probably movie series is uh, is 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 probably Marvel. They've just done so much. They're so good. And I just think there's, like I said, I think hardwired into us is story. And there's something about even superhero stories that we identify with. Even I think it's a supernatural identification about what it's going to be like in the Perugia, in the great beyond, and glory, and the resurrection of the body. Um, and so I just am captivated by the drama of it, but also the heroics of it, but also the Jesus-like qualities I find in it. Um, yeah, that's my story. And we're talking about story because... Oh, I was going to go give a shout-out to, to Aaron and Misty. Yeah. They both said Harry Potter, which, yeah. if you do know me at all, 100% hands down, Prior to a couple weeks ago when we started this series, it would have been Harry Potter. Harry Potter. Harry Potter, right. 100%. Harry Potter. Luke 19. I do love Harry Potter, too. There's a lot of Jesus in that as well. Mm-hmm. Luke 19, 29 through 41. 
here's what the passage says, and here's the context. Jesus has been heading towards Jerusalem. Jerusalem is uh, the place of death for him. Three times he's told his disciples that he has to die, and he's going to go to Jerusalem to do that. That's the big thing. But the disciples don't get it. They don't understand because a dead Messiah, a crucified Messiah, is a failed Messiah. So they don't understand. They think Jesus is speaking spiritually or something. Um, and so he's, he's been marching this way ever since the middle of the gospel. And he's finally here. He's actually in a town called Bethany, which is his favorite town. Um, it likely means the house of the poor. It was outside of Jerusalem, and a lot of people with ailments and illnesses and, and poverty lived there. And Jesus loves this place. And he's marching from Bethany, and he's heading on down to Jerusalem. And he's finally here to confront the religious system, to confront the empire. And it's between the church and the state. He's going to be crucified. And this is the big story of his march into Jerusalem. It says, as Jesus came to Bethphage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives, he gave two disciples a task. He said, go into the village over there, and when you enter it, you will find tied up there a colt that no one has ever ridden. Untie it, bring it here, and if someone asks, why are you untying it, just say that the master needs it. Those who had been sent found it exactly as Jesus said. They brought it to Jesus. They threw their clothes on the colt. They lifted Jesus onto it, and as Jesus rolled along, this colt is a donkey, by the way, and as Jesus rode along, they spread their clothes on the road. And as Jesus approached the road leading down from the Mount of Olives, the whole throng of his disciples began rejoicing and they praised God with a loud voice because of the almighty, because of the mighty, all the mighty things that he, they had seen. And they said, blessings on the king who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest heavens. Some of the Pharisees from the crowd said to Jesus, and this is the part of the story that just gives me chills every time. Teacher, these religious leaders told Jesus, scold your disciples and stop telling them, tell them to stop saying this about you, that you are the king coming in the name of the Lord. And he answered to them, I tell you that if they were silent, the stones would shout out. Ugh. As Jesus came to the city and observed it, he wept over it. And he said, if only you knew on this of all days, the things that lead to peace. This is our story of Palm Sunday. Jesus is riding in on a donkey. They throw their clothes on the ground. They bring branches which symbolize victory. They throw the branches on the ground. And Jesus rides into Jerusalem triumphant and victorious, except maybe not. You know how I like to preach? Head, heart, hands. Something for us to know with our heads, experience with our heart, and do with our hands. It gives us a holistic faith from our head to our hearts and our hands out into the world. And so the first point is head. What do I think God wants us to know or understand? Jesus invites us to live a different story, to live God's story. Where am I getting that in this passage? Uh, they brought Jesus the donkey, threw their clothes on, and they lifted Jesus onto it. The disciples are rejoicing. They praised God with a loud voice because of all the things that they'd seen. And they said, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. There is a competing story happening, a subversive story to what the world is telling us in this story. Here it is. This story is subversive. It undercuts. It goes against. It fights against the narrative of the world. Jesus is recreating a familiar scene of a Roman emperor riding into town on a white horse, victorious from battle. The white horse foaming at the mouth from the war that they were just a part of. A victor's crown, maybe on a gold chariot. Everybody knows what this is supposed to symbolize. That they are part of the greatest empire in the world. And that they are going to have Pax Romana, peace and safety through the might 
of the Roman Empire. But Jesus comes in. No violence, no war, except what's done to him. No victory behind him, only a cross before him to be executed by government and the religion of the time. And this is how God wins. This is how God wins our hearts and minds and sets us free from sin and death. This is how God becomes king again and his kingdom expands throughout the whole universe. This is the competing story. It's not might make right, might makes right. It's humility and it's sacrifice and it's self-denial and it's crosses. This is the way of the kingdom and this is the way God wins in our hearts and lives and in the world around us. And so that's my question for us, y'all, in this competing story issue. What hero of the faith do you look to when you think about living God's story? Is there a hero that you think about when we're talking about competing narratives, living differently, affecting change in a different way than the world would tell us to do? Sure. Go for it. <laughs> so for me, um, hands down, when I read this question, would be my grandmother, my grandma, my grandma Matney. Um, when we were little, my mom would send us up there actually over Easter vacation, um, and we'd spend all week with her and, yeah. and, and do the things that she did. And she would volunteer at like the senior center. And, and mind you, she was, she was older in, you know what I mean? At that time I yeah. was like 10, 11, whatever. And she was older, but she still would volunteer. She yeah. ran at like a cafe and a bowling alley and things like that. And so she would just take us with her on her day to day life. And the things that I saw didn't make a lot of sense like when I was younger, but as I was older and I was growing in my faith were things like, I don't know, praying in the elevator. We'd be waiting to go up and then somebody would come to her, her mind, like my aunts and uncles or whatever, and she would pray for them by name. Um, and she wasn't afraid to like talk about her faith like yeah. to anybody. If the, if the, I didn't feel like it was overbearing, like <clears throat> she was coming at them with her faith, but yeah. man, if the conversation led to that point, she, w it would just, it would just flew out of her. Yeah. Um, and so now when I think about that, um, yeah, she was just like leading by example all the time. It didn't matter. It wasn't, um, it wasn't like <laughs> intentional. I'm grinding this into you, but it yeah. was just, this is the way that I live. I and love it was it. a perfect example. Yeah. Living by example. I love it. Absolutely. Um, <coughs> I do have personal people that are, you know, I think of my dad and I think of my grandma who are heroes of the faith, um, for different reasons in my life. Um, but the ones that m my mind also went to were just some famous folks that are kind of on my Mount Rushmore. And the two uh, uh, that are definitely on it, I'm still figuring out the other two, but um, the two that are definitely on it are Mr. Rogers. Yeah. Um, I think. Presbyterian minister. He, yeah. yeah. And he uh, just showing the love of Jesus every day without having to explicitly talk about the Lord because uh, it's a public television. So, you know, you can't necessarily be super explicit about it, but just absolutely doing everything that Jesus did and, and um, loving the least of these, yeah. you know, the children. And then just the daily discipline of his spiritual walk. You know, you hear the stories of him weighing the exact amount, amount like every day for like 30 years. And I just like, I can't even, there's like no way. And um, that I could ever do that. And so I just, the way that I look up to him, um, just spiritual discipline. And yeah. then um, obviously Dr. King, um, you know, we went to, Julianne and I last summer went to the, drove 
to a church conference in Florida, went all the way across the country, kind of an uh, extended uh, honeymoon, and we saw places uh, in Alabama where he uh, preached, and the letter from the Birmingham uh, jail, we were in Bur- Birmingham, and uh, going through the, the um, Civil Rights Museum, and just thinking about how he totally uh, subverted and uprooted uh, an, a totally unjust um, system yeah. through prayer, peace, compassion, nonviolence, and yeah. nonviolence, marching, um, and uh, just the way that he shared the stories of the people around him. One of my favorite stories he tells is he went to, an, uh, an, she was like an 85-year-old uh, former teacher, and they had marched all the way to Birmingham um, to do a sit-in, and he said, uh, how are you doing? Because, you know, how did she make this march? And she said, my feet is tired, but my soul is rested. Mm-hmm. And just uh, him telling these anecdotes and uh, and uh, never proud um, yeah. and just somebody who, uh, yeah. So uh, talking about Jesus' story and then being killed at a young age uh, as, as truly a martyr, um, yeah. I see him as a real saint. Yesterday was the 52nd anniversary of his death. And in the church, that would be his feast day. We would celebrate mm-hmm. his his going to glory. Uh, for me, maybe a little bit more modern times, back in the 40s, uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who I really appreciate, a theologian genius, but he also lived his faith uh, and tried to subvert the Nazi regime and was killed for his faith in action there. But I also think of the ancient church fathers when I think of people, when I'm thinking about heroes of the faith, I'm thinking of people like Polycarp also defending his faith and leading congregations or Basil the, Basil, Basil the Great, who... Um, who uh, when was confronted with uh, the empire and told him to denounce his faith, he said, I've already died in Jesus. I've already died to myself. You can't kill me. I don't own anything. You can't take anything away from me. Uh, your power is no good here. And I just sometimes want that boldness of yeah. faith. And so I always think about the, the old dudes. Moses the Black is one of my other favorite ones. Look him up. But yeah, I hope you have some heroes you're thinking about, people that are living God's story, Countercultural, a counter narrative to what the world tells us that shows us uh, what Jesus is doing in a, in a different way, in a modern way, because I think Jesus is doing that in this context. You want to check in with Facebook before we move on? Yeah, Chad Abshire. Um, hi, Chad. Hi, Chad. Uh, he shouts out Al McCoy, who is a great hero of faith here in Orville um, as a, a, a important guy. Yeah. Um, and just uh, talk about example yeah. of, of a wonderful believer. If you don't know their family, they're a great family. Um, Kirsten says MLK, too. Um, yeah. Great. With our heart, the second point, I think Jesus wants us to experience supernatural peace. And I know that's a simple way of saying it, but I see it all over this passage. Look where I see it. First, the disciples come and they sing, peace in heaven. This is one of the things they sing as Jesus is marching into Jerusalem. And then when Jesus stands over Jerusalem, he says in his heart, in his mind, in his prayers to Jerusalem, uh, if only you knew this day of all days, the things that lead to peace Jesus has peace for you. He wants peace for you. It is his desire. He's on the literally the doorstep of his own death, and his, and his hope is for peace for us. And the disciples are singing about this radical peace that they experience, and they're singing because of all the mighty things that they have seen, and they're singing about peace. He is desperate for us to have peace, to receive that in us. 
And here is where the story gives me chills. I already know I'd said that with the rocks. Uh, but in Luke, Luke does this really incredible thing. Follow with me. I hope you can do this. James Lackey is being a nerd right now, but go with me. At Jesus' birth, the angels sing, Glory to God in the highest and peace on earth. So these high beings come down and they sing, Glory to God in the highest and peace on earth. And when Jesus is riding into Jerusalem, they said, Blessings on the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace, they're down here. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heavens. Angels say peace on earth. Disciples say peace in heaven. There's something about Jesus where heaven and earth meet and they find their peace in Jesus. And Jesus offers that peace to us. All the heaven and earth peace coming together where Jesus is reconciling heaven and earth through this cross, not through his might, but through his cross, through his humility, through his suffering. He offers that peace to us, the peace that he has, the peace that he's giving to his disciples. He wants to give that to you. He is in the midst of great turmoil, facing his own cross and death, and his hope is peace for us. My question, have you ever experienced supernatural peace, felt a moment of supernatural peace in your life, handing it off to you? Yeah, I I think of a few times. um, I was sharing with my small group. uh, There's been times that God has sent a sign to me to have peace about situations. um, uh, And just a supernatural calm. Um, The one that I think of that kind of changed my life was, um, it was 2010, or it was 2009. Um, we were driving home from a youth event, and I was driving a van full of kids, and we were coming home. And it was summertime after I had, I substitute taught for a year, and I decided I would never do that again. Uh, so shout out to the substitute teachers. Uh, Sydney, you are a saint. Go, uh, Sydney. Oh, my goodness. Substitute teaching is really hard, and I decided I am not doing that. So what am I going to do? And I remember the kids are all having fun, laughing, and uh, just having a great time on the way home. And I am sitting in the driver's seat almost on the verge of tears because I know this is a summer trip, and we're coming home from the trip. And in the fall, I've got to do something. And I don't know what that is. And I had a teacher credential, but I wasn't sure I was going to use it. And there was no music jobs at that time anyways. It was right after the crash. And I didn't want to move away from Orville, but I didn't know what to do. And I just remember saying, God, I will do whatever you want me to do. And I was just at my wit's end. <clears throat> and he, I could hear him say um, something to the effect of, um, it's not going to be easy, but I have something for you. And then I'm like, okay. So literally four hours later, there was a potluck at church, and uh, Pastor Phil um, who was the pastor at Foothill Community Church uh, across town there for a lot of years. He comes to me and he goes, hey, I've got an opportunity for you to serve in uh, Pennsylvania with Noel Myers, who is my mentor. He was a former pastor there at Foothill, and he had uh, become the head pastor at a church in Pennsylvania. And uh, and I said, I said to God, I said, that's got to be it. That's got to be the sign. But I do not want to move to <laughs> Pennsylvania. Like, What? It's not even near Pittsburgh or Philadelphia. Like, what? It's like the Orville of, of Pennsylvania. Like, why Go Orville! I, it's like, I know, but Woo! at least we have family here. It's That's like, true. 
Yeah. It was just, I just did not want to go. And, but I told God that I would go where he sent me. And Amen. so it all um, went from there. And over the next couple of months getting ready to go, I had heard about the thing in like late June. And I was there by September 1st. Um, yeah. Through funding, uh, uh, through people at uh, Foothill who yeah. um, wanted to send me as a as a missionary, yeah. um, and uh, I just had supernatural peace that this was what That's I was great. supposed to do. There were still really scary times, you know, and there was still really hard times. Uh, couldn't even call my family because I couldn't keep it together um, uh, emotionally. <laughs> Um, so it wasn't easy, but it, I definitely felt peace about making the commitment to do it. And I served two the years there and then came back okay. here, started streaming the table. And Thanks for sharing. That's my testimony. Thank you. Um, so I think my moment of supernatural peace um, came when I left my job uh, of like 13 years. I had started, I'm not going to shout out to the organization, but um, I had worked there right when I was 18 years old new mom, freshly married kind of thing. Well, I was married a couple years later, actually. Um, but I had been there, and I had grown up in this organization, and so it just felt like home. It felt like that's where I was supposed to be. Um, but I talked about this last week. when After I went to Bulgaria, um, there was really this God was stirring in my heart about a lot of different things, um, and I just wasn't sure how being there was, was going to fill that... Um, <sighs> feel that stirring that he was putting on my heart. And so I prayed about it a lot, prayed about it in groups that we had when we were meeting and we were doing small groups. Um, and then ultimately, um, God just made it really clear to me that that wasn't going to be where I was going to be forever. Um, and the, the piece that came over it was the action point of actually putting in my two weeks notice, yeah. that part of it. Yeah. But I'll tell you what, it was a, it was a whirlwind after that um, because, again, I've shared I'm an Enneagram 3, which means I like to do and I like to have things to do. Um, and so after I quit my job, uh, I didn't. And it was like probably roughly 90 days of me being at home. Yeah. And you can only clean your home so much. And honestly, that's the most boring thing in the whole entire world. So it was not <laughs> fulfilling to me at all. Um but God was with me through that time and, um, you know, led to a couple of other things, being here, yeah. uh, being at my position uh, as a nurse at the jail and things like that. I don't think those that definitely isn't going to be where I'm going to be forever. Yeah. Uh, but he's, like I said, walking with me through that, giving me something to do during the day, giving me something to uh, support my family financially as Great. we continue to figure out where I'm going to be. I love it. Forever. I love <laughs> it. We've got a few Facebook Go for it. Uh, and these are really good ones. Erin um, shares that she experienced uh, supernatural peace on the day uh, we said goodbye to my sister, Shannon. Everything felt glowy and calm. It lasted for several days. Jesus felt so near. I, c I can imagine. He, he was there. Um, <clears throat> Gary says he tasted a bit of supernatural peace on Friday. Gary, we'd love to hear more about that from you. That's awesome. Uh Ashley uh, sent this for Gabriel, Gabriel Root. He says he's uh, in seventh grade. He says, when I've done something really good and get a few moments to really to pray to God. That's mm -hmm. awesome. Um, the last one um, that I'll share for now, there's so many good ones. The last one I'll share for now is Jessica says, I think my supernatural calm was when my whole family was in a car wreck, all six of them. Mm -hmm. And when I get to the car accident, I just had the calm composure to help my family and be there when they needed me most. 
I know God had his hands on my family that day, and I'm very grateful to have them um, with me that day. We are too. We love the men's family. Thanks for being with us, Jessica. With our hands, the last point, what does uh, God want us to do with this? Uh, and here's, here's what's speaking to me. Deeply and sacrificially love your neighborhood. Here's where I see this in the passage. As Jesus came to the city and observed it, he wept over it. And he said, oh, if only you knew this day of all days, the things that lead to peace. Jesus is recorded to have wept two times. Once for a person, Lazarus, his dear friend, uh, who uh, died and he raised back to life. Um, and once for a place, this story for Bethany. And so Jesus uh, weeps for people and he weeps for places. And so that's what I'm thinking about for us today. He's from Bethany. Um, that you don't live where you live by accident. That God has you here for a purpose. God has a mission, an adventure, a story for you right where you are, for the people that you live next to. Uh, the fancy Bible word for these people are neighbors. I don't know if you've ever heard this before. I know in our culture we don't know our neighbors well, but the Bible's pretty specific about how we are to treat our neighborhood, our neighbors, the community that we live in, because God has so much for us to do in these places. And Jesus has given you special gifts, abilities, talents, passions, resources to be of service to your hood, to be people who bring hope and peace and love there. And so my question for you all as we think about Orville and Thermalito is, do you weep for Orville? And what specific things do you weep about? And we'll wrap this message up. Um, I think for me, um, and I hope this doesn't come across as, as judgmental in any way, uh, but I think I, I weep a lot for the children or the youth of our community. I'm very much um, in the mindset that, you know, the youth, the children of this community are going to be the next set of pastors, are going to be the next set of city council members, are going to be the next set of uh, school board leaders, things like that. And I just, um, yeah. my husband and I have for several years have been involved uh, with different athletic boards, you know, coaching, things like that. Um, and for us, it just became really um, in our faces that it was the same parents helping out over and over again. It was the same parents watching the kids at practice. It was the same parents uh, taking extra kids to faraway games and things like that. And number one, shout out to all of those uh, those parents. Um, I love you. I'm in this with you. And I'm just so thankful for you. But also there was a big, um, there was a big group of kids who didn't have uh, the support. And so I just think about that on the daily I yeah. weep for those kiddos and yeah. it could be something as simple as their parents had to work nights whatever it is Absolutely. uh but just w just yeah wanting yeah. to be there for them um and there's a Absolutely. lot yeah a lot as you see a generation rising up to take our <laughs> place right and uh it's Absolutely. our responsibility to form them, yeah. To, to love them as much as we can and support them um, when we see them doing great things. Um, for me, um, when I get together with the people on the edges, my friends who uh, we, I don't know why, but it just seemed like we all got jobs that are like jobs for um, people on the edges uh, that are just trying to help. Um, even with these two here, it's like... Uh, working in jails and schools and churches, uh, people that uh, need love, need help, and uh, uh, the healthcare industry. And so when I get together with my friends, you know, James and I get together and talk with uh, Andy Lerner. Hi, Andy and Ryan. Um, we talk a lot about, um, I think the thing that I weep about the most um, 
is the struggle of addiction and just our community just is just hammered with addiction and i it's not judgmental i struggle with my own addictions um they're they're <clears throat> they're issues in my life i mean i i can talk about cheeseburgers um so i i am not coming from a, a, a ivory tower at all um but i just can see it really affecting generations of people um, and I, I think that Satan uses it as a tool to destroy families and to destroy lives. And I just, I see it in our town. Um, and it's more prevalent here than a lot of places, yeah. I feel like. And so my heart just breaks for, I, I, I think the way that I've gone about trying to help in that way is just to provide a, a safe place um, for kids at school whose uh, families struggle with it. And then just being here at church of just going, if you choose that you do need a hospital, like we can, we could be a spiritual hospital for you. And uh, so, yeah, that's, that's how I weep for Orville. Thank you for sharing both of you. Mine too, kids. Um, There's just a way in which our community is failing our kids. I don't know if you know, there's a test called ACE, Adverse Childhood Experience. Mm -hmm. Butte County has the one and two, one or two highest scores in the state. Mm -hmm. Um, our kids are just not getting the support they need. and Top so, few in the country. Yeah. So we are just, they're struggling. I love them. We're trying to help. I'm on the school board. I've done substitute teaching. We're obviously pastors here. But um, I just, I, I weep for the kids of our community and uh, hope that we can find and be a support for people as they try to figure out what's going on in their lives and context and family. Well, let's wrap this message up on Palm Sunday as you're thinking about how you weep for your community and how you can serve and, and bless uh, your community. Uh, let's hear the summary. With our head, God wants us to know and invites us to living a different, more subversive story to see the kingdom of God break into this world, not through the ways of the world, but through the ways of the cross and the kingdom. Uh, with our heart, Jesus offers us supernatural peace, especially in the midst of hard times like many of us are experiencing now. And lastly, with our hands, Jesus models a deep love of place and neighborhood. And here is your spiritual practice for the week. I would love for you to find a palm somewhere. And we have a printable version. There's a link to it if you don't have palms around you. And uh, print it out, color it. But I'd love for you to put a palm somewhere just to remind you that God has a grander, more subversive story with abundant peace and a love of place. Put that in your table or your counter or on your door somewhere. Um, would you pray for us, for us and with us as we move into a time of communion? God, thank you. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for this story. Thank you for your, uh, your invitation into a different way of living called the kingdom of God. Some of us have been living there for a long time and some of us have never even heard of it or don't know anything about it. But we know we want that abundant peace. We know we want that supernatural peace, Lord. So for those who are living a life that is, quite frankly, can be a mess and a struggle and difficult and who don't know Jesus, Lord, I pray for them now. And if they want to receive Jesus this day, uh, would you pray with me uh, this prayer? Lord, I need help. Mm. I struggle. I don't have that peace that you want for me. Mm. I have rebelled against you. I've lived my own story. I've lived my own way. I've lived my own kingdom. I desire you now and your way. Would you help be the Savior and Lord of my life? 
Would you lead me out of this mire and pit that I'm in? Would you lead me into the kingdom? We need your peace, not the peace of the world, your supernatural abundant. And as we experience that, Lord, in our own hearts and lives, would you overflow us so that we can extend it to the neighbors around it, to our family, to our friends, to our parents and kids and aunts and uncles, and to the people living literally right next to us. And now, Lord, as we move into a time of communion, would your spirit uh, be with these elements and in us that as we receive that we'd be communing with you? Because we desire you, we need you, and you alone. Mm -hmm. We say these things in Jesus' name. Amen.